This session is from the 2023 Shepherds 360 Church Leaders Conference. For more information, please visit shepherds360.org. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Are you enjoying the conference? Yeah, it's been amazing. Really, really good for the soul. Well, my name is Dr. Vanessa Ellen. I sound loud to me. Does it sound loud to you? Okay. Uh, my name is Dr. Vanessa Ellen, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about integrity. Now, I know it says, does it matter in the life of a counselor? But I would say, does it matter in the life of a Christian? You know, so we want to talk through integrity. So let me ask you this. If someone were to ask you, how do you want to be remembered after you die? What would you say? What would you say? Good memories. But if they ask you, how do you want someone to remember you after you die? What would you say? Faithfully served Jesus. She faithfully saved, served, <laughs> faithfully served Jesus. What else? What would you want them to say? That she was honest. Anyone else? She tried to show Christ in whatever she did. I often travel the world um, speaking at women's events, conferences, prayer breakfasts, so on and so forth. And there was a time when I had to speak and I had some time beforehand and across the street was a cemetery. And I went across and I looked at all of the headstones and they said some amazing things. A great mother, a loving sister, uh, a faithful daughter. All these different things were on these headstones. The question is, was it a truth about the person? Did they live that way? Did they live a life of integrity? Or do we just feel so bad that they're dead? So we write these nice things about them. We want to talk about integrity, but let me pray for us before we begin. God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for sending your son to die for us. We thank you for grafting us into your kingdom agenda. Lord, we pray today that you will continue to um, soften our hearts, Lord, as we go through the rest of this conference, that we will not just be hearers of these amazing words that come from your scriptures, but that we will be doers as well. God, I pray for this time that we have together, this next 45 minutes. Uh, I pray that you will lead us and guide us. And if there be any need for confession or repentance, God, that you will grant us repentance and cause us to repent and turn to a life that is pleasing unto you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question then says, if I want to be thought of in a certain way, I must ask myself, am I that kind of person today? Let your life speak means what to you? And since it's just a handful of us, feel free. You've been quiet all day, probably. <laughs> feel free to talk to me. What do you think that means? Let your life speak. And she hit it dead on the nose. Let your actions tell people what you really think and what you really believe. So the question for us as Christian women is, is being thought of as someone with integrity really important to us? 
Like, how would you really feel if somebody walked up to you and said, you don't have integrity? How, how would that sit with you? Would you be okay with that? Yeah, I'd be a little offended, like, well, whoa, wait, what do you mean? Well, wait, let me examine. Give me some examples. Help me to understand. And that's what I think we want to do today. We're going to use as our main text, Proverbs 10 and 9. And it says, he who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. Now, my grandmother would say it like this, what's done in the dark will come out in the light. He who walks in wicked ways will be found out. Most of Proverbs, you will see, is contrasting the fate of the righteous versus the fate of the wicked. Now, what we want to make sure that we are clear on is that a lack of integrity, a.k.a. deceitfulness, is indeed a mark of wickedness. It is not righteous. The New American Commentary says, the righteous secure their place in the world, whereas a life of deception holds only the promise of detection and disgrace. The scripture says, uh, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. Have you ever seen anyone, uh, you, you, you walk up to them and the first thing they say is, I didn't say nothing. Or little kids, you walk into the room, they go, I, I wasn't doing anything. Well, your conscience is probably bearing witness that you're doing something you ought not to be doing. The righteous secure their place, but the wicked only show a promise of detection and disgrace. That's why lying needs another lie. I always say when I am counseling women, when we're talking about them and they've been caught in adultery, that they're so apparently broken over their adultery. But I say you committed a sin long before you committed that sin. Can you guess what it was? Thinking about it. it thinking about it. Okay, that was one. Lie. Who said it? Lying. Yes. You lied because you had to lie to get out of wherever it was that you were going, tell your husband you were wherever. You, you were a liar long before you were an adulterer. Deception leads the promise of detection and disgrace. Now, I want you to take a minute before I define it. I want you to write down, how would you define integrity? I'll give you like 30 seconds or so. How would you define integrity in your own words? How would you define integrity? Okay, what'd you come up with? Someone real quick. Doing right in private when I'm alone. I love that. Doing right in private or even when I'm alone. Who else has something? <clears throat> Still doing what's right even though circumstances may change. I like that. And Carter defines it like this. Says, the, well, the Holman Bible Dictionary says, it's the quality of possessing and steadfastly adhering to high moral principles or professional standards. It's possessing and steadfastly adhering. 
It's not just saying, I believe A, B, and C, but it's actually living a life that reflects the fact that you believe A, B, and C. It is a faithful support of a standard of values. A faithful support of a standard of values. It's the idea of singleness of heart or mind. Now, as Christians, our Bible gives us our guidance and our standards. It is a idea of singleness of heart and mind to the truth of God's word. A no deviating, not turning from, not making excuses for why I would do something different than what God has commanded for me to do. Now, we have biblical examples of this. We'll start with Genesis 20 because the question is, is a half-truth really a lie? Is it? Is a half-truth really a lie? Yes. You know, I used to hear uh, people would say, oh, it's just a little white lie. As if that's okay. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 20. And we'll make our way through this. Now, this is about Abraham. And at this time, they're called Abraham and Sarah. Verse 1 says, Now Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned to Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God, isn't there always a but God? But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. Now Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a nation even though blameless? Now please remember, Abimelech is a pagan. But he's acknowledging here, wait, will you, will you slay us for this? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. Indeed, there's the word. What's that word there? In the integrity of my heart, in the faithful standard of supporting truth, I told you this. I did this thing. In my dedication to honesty, I did this thing. He's saying, in the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that in the, what's the word? In the integrity of your heart, you have done this, and I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Now, I pause here. A lack of integrity will cost not only you, but it will cost everyone with you. A lack of integrity will cost me. It will also cost my church. A lack of integrity with other church members will also cost us because we are one body. A lack of integrity affects everyone around you. Now, verse 8. So Abimelech arose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were greatly frightened. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what have you encountered that you have done this thing? Abraham said, because I thought. Now, see, we could stop right there. Here is our problem. I thought you might want to make note of those two words. I thought 
because I thought, surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Now, he's rationalizing verse 12. Besides, she actually is my daughter, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is the kindness which you will show to me. Not only did he rationalize it in his own heart, he convinced his wife to rationalize it as well. A lack of integrity will spill over. Show to me everywhere we go. Say to me, he is my brother. Verse 14, Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham and restored his wife Sarah to him. Abimelech said, behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. To Sarah, he said, behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, it is your vindication for all who are with you and before all men you are cleared. You get the point here, right? What happened? He thought... Abraham deliberately deceived others regarding his wife. Now, this is not even the first time. If you were to go back to chapter 12, you'll see where he did this with Pharaoh. This already didn't work out for him. But see, that's kind of how sin is. We keep returning to it as a dog returns to his vomit is what the scripture says. We keep going back as if there will be a different outcome. I once heard a man say, if you always do what you've always done, you'll what? You always get what you always got. This is the same story, just warmed over. He deceived them regarding his wife. But now, deception and justification of the deception reveals what? A lack of trust in God. You see, he thought. Now, if you understand Abraham's life, you remember God had already showed himself strong in his life. God had already promised him many things. God had already spoken to him. He had a relationship with God. But then he thought, this is just like us. Can you recall all the things that God has done for you? Maybe not all, just go back to two or three things that he did for you. Well, if you can't think of any, just think of the one thing that he really did do for you, right? He sent his son to die for you. What an amazing God. God is enough and is doing enough. We ought to trust God, but we don't trust God because why? We think we know better. We think that we know that what I want and when I want it is better than what God wants for me and when he wants it. So I do what I think is right in my own eyes and I call it wisdom. You see, this is where integrity has its problem. Then we start to justify what we do. It's a lack of trust in God. That God would even use a heathen such as Abimelech to rebuke his servants. This is what... Justification and deception reveals that even an unbeliever will tell you you're wrong. Do you know that unbelievers know exactly how believers should act? You ever had an unbeliever tell you, you're not supposed to judge me? Now, he just spoke on that, so go back to that session to talk about judging. But have you ever had an unbeliever just say things to you that you're like, but wait, you don't even believe in God, but you're telling me. Even an unbeliever rebuked him. He told the truth about his intentions. He told the truth, but his intention was to deceive. See, God's always looking at the heart. He's always looking at the motivation of why we do what we do. Yes, it was true that she was his sister, but this was a half-truth. So his intention was to deceive. 
So you ask the question, well, how does that apply to us? Well, think about it. What happens at tax time? Well, this is October. We're going to come upon tax time soon in what, February. What generally happens even to Christians? Well, I'm going to claim your dog, your cat, your sister, your brother, your aunt, everybody. Because I thought that I did not want to pay the IRS this money. So what am I going to do? I'm going to find a way around it. You promise that you're going to be somewhere at 7 o'clock, but you don't leave your house till 6.59. And they call you and they say, well, where are you, sister? I'll be there in two minutes. Now, you know the church is 15 minutes away. What was the motivation of your heart? It was to cover yourself for not being disciplined in your time, for being lazy. You covered by telling a lie. It's a lack of integrity. But some may say, well, is, are you doing the most? Is that just too much? You're just going too far with this. God calls us to integrity. So the question for us is, well, then, is our integrity for sale? What motivates us to serve God? Is it money? Is it prestige? I mean, I'm talking to leaders, right? You're all leaders in some shape, form, or fashion, right? And even if you don't think you are, you're leading someone because there's a girl watching you, there's a child watching you, there's unbelievers watching you. You are leading in some way. What motivates us to serve God? Money? Prestige? I'm not doing it unless there's a title. I'm not going to go there unless you pay me. I'm not going to do it unless you tell me thank you and I appreciate you and you're amazing, the attaboys. What do we do that causes us to do things for God? What's the motivation of that? What motivates us to obey God? Are we obeying God because he first loved us and thus we love him? So now we work, aka obey him, do the right things because he died for us first? Or do we obey God so we'll get something from God? Many people give their offering because they're hoping that God's going to give them all. Bless me, double, triple. Do all these things for me, God. What motivates us to obey God? And I guess we should also ask, what motivates us to disobey God? Because that's the same thing in terms of lack of an integrity. It's I want what I want and I'm not willing to wait. Why do we as singles go out and do things that God has told us we should not do with men that aren't our husbands. Because I thought, why do we as married women live in anger and resentment and not unity with our spouses? Because I thought, too many times I've counseled women and they tell me, well, when he does right by God, then I'll do right by him. The motivation of the heart, justification for doing what you're doing, justification for not doing what God says. I often say to them, well, I did not realize that Christianity was a group activity. I did not realize that in your relationship, when you said yes to God, that you put a caveat on it that he accepted. God, I will do what you say do. I will love as you say love, as long as they love me. Well, integrity. Do we love the things of this world more than we love the good news of the gospel? You see, Demas in our scriptures love this present world. We must continue to ask ourselves, at what price is the gospel worthy to be fit forsaken by you? Now, we may say, oh, no, I would never forsake the truth of God's word. 
had a lady used to ask us all the time, oh, I need a, I need a job. I need a job. She'd come to women's ministry classes, come to women's Bible study. I need a job. I need the ladies to pray for me to get a job. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and prayed. The Lord blessed her with an amazing job. Can't find her. Where are you? You're busy doing things that you think are important instead of doing the things that God said. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints. What were we willing to do to forsake the gospel? Well, continue on and Do you love the things of the world more than we love them? At what price is the gospel worthy to be traded? Let me put it into our context of leadership, right? Will you withhold speaking the truth in order to keep a friendship? Don't answer. Just, just, just think. Just think. That aunt, that cousin, that sister, that friend, that church member. Think back. Was there ever a time when you didn't tell her the truth? One about her sins, one, because you were afraid of the kickback. You don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. Anybody don't like conflict? I don't like conflict. So we just ducked and dodged it, didn't do it when the rebuke was necessary. Or we did not do it because we did not want to lose the friendship. Will you withhold speaking the truth? Essentially, that's trading the truth of the gospel for the relationship with the creation. We won't do what the creator told us to do in order to stay in relationship with his creation. That's a lack of integrity. Not adhering to a faithful standard of truth, which we find in our work. So what does integrity really mean for us as Christian women? It means treating people fairly and honestly. Doesn't matter who they are. Everyone, we should not be a respect of persons. We should treat everyone with the same standard, no matter who they are, how much money they have, what position they hold, we are to treat people fairly and honestly. Giving our word and keeping it, letting our yay be yay and our nay be nay. We need to adhere to these things, saying, yes, God, if you say that you're going to be at the um, church uh, banquet and that you're going to bring red napkins, then you need to show up with the napkins. But what do we say? Man, I'm tired. I don't want to go today. It's just napkins. What's the big deal? It's integrity of the heart. Can you be trusted? Can you be depended on? Integrity will protect you. When we look at Psalm 25, David prays that integrity and uprightness will protect him. Do you know that integrity will keep you out of a lot of trouble? It is just better to do what's right at all cost. And as my grandmother would say, let the chips fall as they may. It is just better to do what God has said than to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Has anybody ever experienced that? See, I'm the child that didn't like whippings. Ignore whatever parenting style you have, I'm just saying. I was that child. So I understood really quickly that what they wanted was this. This is what they were going to get. So I didn't get that. My motivation in my heart was wrong. It wasn't to do right. It was to avoid the consequence. See, many of us think integrity, I'll do right, but it's not doing right for the sake of a love of God. 
it's doing right so I don't get the consequences in this life. Your motivation is extremely important. Now, here's what I'd like for you to consider. The Lord hates lies. He hates a lying tongue. Do you know how strong that is? The Lord hates lies and a lack of integrity. Thus, he hates deception. The little white lies should not be found amongst us. Now, it's going to be difficult to maintain your integrity. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There's always going to be an opportunity to do something you shouldn't do, to say something you shouldn't say, to believe something you shouldn't believe. There's always going to be an opportunity. It may be difficult, but God is with you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can walk in integrity. The thing we need to keep in mind is that, what the scripture says? Good company corrupts bad morals. Well, wait, bad company corrupts good morals. I switched it. Bad company corrupts good morals. Take Abraham and Sarah. Now, who knows what she would have done had this opportunity not been presented to her. But her husband was actually the bad company. How many of you are married? You know what I'm about to say, right? Are you good company? Or are you bad company for your spouse? Are you good company or are you bad company for your kids? Are you good company or bad company for your church family? Integrity will be rewarded, but it's going to be rewarded by God. You see, as we sojourn through this life as foreigners in this land, our rewards may not always come on this side. Doing right is not always going to get you a pat on the back. Doing right is not always going to get you some type of physical reward on this side. That's why we do it from a motivated heart of loving God above loving the things of this world. Your integrity really should set an example. It should set an example to the young people, the teens, the young adults, the newly married, the widows. Your integrity should set an example to a fallen world. They want to see Jesus. They see it in us every time. Ignore it. They want to see Jesus. It's, it's us. We show them. By the things we do, they glorify God in heaven. They see his love through our actions, our motivations, the way we behave. Now, you got to remember this. Today in our culture, our culture screams about our rights. Would you agree? It screams. You have the right to say what you want, do what you want, be who you want, be all you can be. If you want to be a cat, be a cat. You want to be a dog, you want me to call you, you be a dog. Well, we have the right to do what we please when we please and why we please is what they tell us. We shouldn't have to answer to anyone. You're worth it. You deserve it. No limits. Just do it. The truth is found in Romans 14 and 8. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we do what? We belong to the Lord. We cannot live as the world. We must walk in integrity. We are not citizens of this world. We don't belong to this world. Romans 12 and 2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. We must remember this. 
God has the right to regulate every area of our lives. So the next time that you're faced with a lack of integrity and you think, you know, I would just rather God skirt the truth. Or I would just rather do it this way. Just remember, God has bought you. You are blood bought. Your life is now no longer your own. You are sold out and called to a higher standard. You must walk in integrity. We can't get around it. I want to close with just a little illustration. My, my, how 45 minutes goes so fast. I want to ask you to think about making an integrity plan for your life. List out where you specifically need to adhere to a biblical standard of values. Make a list of your non-negotiables. There should be some things in your life as a Christian woman that are just now no longer negotiable. There should be some places and things where you say, I just will not compromise at all. It doesn't matter what it costs me. I will not compromise. Make that list and ask God to bless you to stay strong in that. Lastly, I ask you to consider your commitments. The first one being to God. We made a commitment to God. He made a commitment to us. Consider your commitments. Consider your commitments to your church family to your home life, to your job if you're working outside of the home. Consider your commitments and ask yourself, am I faithfully adhering to a standard of values that would be in line with God's truth? Am I walking in integrity? Amen? And I'm out of town. I feel like I ran 100 miles an hour. We have, oh, we have two minutes. Two minutes. Any questions or thoughts? I have 15. How? What you say? What? What y'all think? Because I skipped some slides. Talk to me then. What are you thinking when you hear this? Your adapter is kind of weird. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. You should have the handout. Yeah. You scan it and there's a handout. But what do you think about this? I had several cashiers not charge me what yes. I should have been charged. Yes. And in my flesh, it's like, it's their fault. Yeah. I don't have to, yeah. to be honest. But yes. the Holy Spirit makes me go back to the story. Every time I had an opportunity to leave the track with them, yeah. and I'm saying, Jesus Christ that keeps me honest. I'm not an honest person, yeah. but he keeps me honest. And I have noticed, especially one time, we were serving as missionaries, and God blessed me, I think, financially, mm -hmm. because I was first honest in doing his obedience. Yes, she says there are often times in the grocery store when people will give her things that she didn't pay for, and she's had to go back, and God has blessed her in that regard. It happens all the time. It is a witnessing opportunity. It happens to me. The lady will say, it's okay. It's all right. I'm like, did you scan it? It's okay. No, it's not okay. And then I get a chance to tell them why it's not okay. Any, don't worry about it. What are the thoughts? Questions? How can you apply this to your own life on a regular and consistent basis? What can you do differently? or more often. I appreciate the challenge to just um, personal evaluation, even like 
I know the verse, that bad company corrupts good morals, but I just think, okay, I don't have any bad friends. And not taking the time to self-evaluate what kind of company I am, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. to my husband, to my children, and to those people that I'm walking with. Um, I think that's just so, so beautiful. I mean, the scripture's there, but that's why we come back to it, we come back to it. And um, it yeah. is a challenge to let it keep something into our lives. Amen. For the recording, she said uh, she appreciates looking at how is she bad company to her family and her husband and others. It's a good reminder of how do we do that, especially being married to a pastor. Anybody else married to a pastor or a ministry leader? You know, it, it's really interesting how the, the scripture talks about his heart trusting her. I have to be very guarded and mindful of what I say to him and when I say it because I have influence. So I don't want to be his bad company and get him all riled up and worked up over something because I'm worked up over it. I have to be very mindful of that. So that's very good. Anybody else? How can you take this out and apply it? I have a question. I have a granddaughter that has habit, a simple habit of stealing. She's five years old. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't know, and I don't know how much her parents are disciplining yeah. her with this habit. Yeah, the question is, how do you deal with a five-year-old who has a habit of stealing? Well, at five, there's a whole lot that you can still do, but I would suggest teaching them long before five. My grandson came the other day, and he went to get something out of the dryer, and he came to me, and he said, oh, Nana, I found five dollars in the dryer. I said, you don't find anything like that anywhere. You didn't find it. It was in there, but it does not belong to you because he had already mapped out how he was spending his $5. And No, you go all over the house and ask everyone, could it be their $5? Who was the last person washing? And if no one claims it, then we'll say that you can have it. Well, yeah, he went all over the house. Is this yours? Is this yours? <laughs> but as the grandparent, you can continue to enforce God's ways. And just teach them every moment is a teachable moment and just pray that it will sink in with them. That's all that we can do is keep teaching them and showing them God's way. And then I always talk to him. Uh, I have another grandson that has, he's like Abraham. It's not quite a lie. And I'm like, no, you're lying. Your mouth is open. Your lips are moving. You're lying. Mm -mm. You're lying. Because you're trying to get me to believe what you're saying but he's saying I'm not lying well you're lying because you're leaving out part of the story with the intention for me not to believe what I believe you see it's back to the motive of the heart so he said he didn't actually lie to me because he didn't say it yeah you didn't say the whole truth but it's still lying it's deception anyone else yes ma'am I, I was just challenged to really imply integrity to all areas of life. I think it's easy to think of it as just doing the right thing or um, being a man of your word, but signing up for things at church and bringing, like, being on time and being disciplined and but literally every area of your life you can look at and see how is my integrity here. Yeah. So it's just very challenging. Yeah, she mentioned carrying it out through every area of our life, even at church. You know what I find interesting? Because I'm the director of women's ministries at our church. Stubbornness is a thing for some of us, right? Most, dare I say, most of, right. That stubbornness and control. 
You can ask someone and they're willing to bring what they want. As I said, I'm willing to bring you these red napkins. But if you tell me you don't want red napkins, you want blue, then conveniently, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to pick them up. Did I say I was bringing that? The motivation of the heart. I'm going to show you. You don't have to. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'll show you. I'll do it my way. It's the little kid. I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. And we may be doing that with God. Anyone else? Thoughts? Yes, ma'am. You know, it's sad because she kind of saying about getting something and then you go back in. It's sad to me that, like, those little two lipstick that was left in his heart. Yeah. Like, I don't think I paid for this. And you go back in. It's sad to me that people are almost shocked. Yes. At the integrity of you. They're like, well, nobody would have known. Yes. I would have known. Yeah. And it's sad that people are shocked to see somebody that has integrity that way. Yeah. She says that even when you return something that's not yours, people are shocked. The world is shocked. And it should be shocking. Because it's not us that's doing it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural because in our natural flesh, we would not do these things. So I agree they should be shocked. (laughs) But that's our opportunity to die to self and to tell them of how and, and why I do what I do. It's really not me. It's the Spirit of God within me. And how did I get that? I put my faith and trust in him. It's a gospel moment. So we need to, I want to just say right here, that's a good point to make sure not to steal the glory of God. Right? Because I could walk away letting that cashier think, I'm just so morally upright. When really and truly my heart is wicked and deceitful. It's just the power of the Holy Spirit keeping me and, and, and convicting me. So we need to be mindful of that. We can be glory thieves. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I think I found that the times where I falter in the, the little pieces of integrity are when I feel like I don't have the time. I've got my six kids. I'm at the store. Like, I've left. I don't want to know to everybody else. Like, up and go back inside. Like, the sacrifice of time yeah. can be a catching point where mm-hmm. I find myself compromising and thinking, like, yeah. oh, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, and she's talking about like we have kids, we have, we have duties in life that sometimes may trip us up from giving the time integrity might need. But what we're doing is showing the kids. So we're teaching the kids. And you'll be surprised at how we do it without thinking with kids. Here's an example. My grandson say, hey, Nana, can we go to the zoo next week? Sure, sure, sure. Because I'm busy. I'm not giving true thought to what he said. Sure, sure. But I have given him an answer of yes. So come Saturday next week, he's like, so about that zoo. And I'm like, what zoo? But you said we were going to go, oh, you know what? I can't do that today. What type of example did I give him about letting your yay be yay and your nay be nay? What I found that is better for me, since I, my time is very limited, is to say, hey, tell you what. Let me think about that and I'll get back to you on that. But then I got to remember to go back because that's the other side of that. Or I'll tell him, hey, write it down and leave it on my desk. Give me a to-do list and I'll think about it, pray about it, and I'll come back to you. Now, they really are into that. (laughs) That's good. Anybody else? Last, who wants the last word? Of course, nobody, right? No, someone tell me, wrap it up. If you had to go and tell a sister in Christ 
she's lacking in integrity, what would you tell her? You look wise. Tell me, what would you tell her? No. That's a hard one. Well, I'm kind of in a situation like that now where I've got a friend that's not really living with the Lord. Mm -hmm. He's been Christian for years, but he's mm -hmm. better. Um, and they've even in the past said, I'm doing anything, you let me know. Let me know. Mm -hmm. But then when you bring it up to him, it's like, oh, no, you know. This is the reason why. Yeah. Even though it's not the right thing. And you do have to go into it knowing this friendship that we've had in the years. May part. Yeah. Not be existing. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I had that happen last year. A very dear friend of mine that I love dearly was choosing a stance on marriage that the Bible does not condone. And I had that conversation with this friend and it turned into a real um war against me. It was no longer about the issue of the standard regarding marriage. It was more about me. And I still had to stand on the word and say, this is not what God has called you to. This is not what he will find to be acceptable. And you should not and cannot do this. If you say you truly are a Christian, there went that friendship. Grieved my heart, but I would rather be over here with God than over there with that relationship, knowing, because now I'm giving hearty approval. What does the scripture say about that? Don't even give hearty approval to some of these things that people are doing. We must separate ourselves from that. It's hard, but it's right. And if we find comfort with one another, see, I know that I'm not going to get the comfort in the world, right? I, I know that. I shouldn't. But I should get it in my church family and my Christian belief. I should be able to come to you and say, oh, my heart is hurting because I had to sever this relationship. That's my comfort here. But I shouldn't expect it in the world. Right? Thank y'all. I really appreciate you tolerating. And it's back. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this session from the 2023 Shepherds 360 Church Leaders Conference. This material is copyrighted and may not be altered or sold. For information, please visit shepherds360.org.